Colin is changing the second shift over this weekend, like today and tomorrow. And Spencer's getting over a sleepover, but not like actually staying at somebody else's house, but like a hangover, but different of like staying awake for three days straight or something. So yes. Do you want got... me to actually tell you what happened or no? No. Okay, fine. So we got two cranky boys that just need sleep, trying to record a podcast and be funny and shit. So good luck on this one. Are also, you cranky? Also, my ally. He's talking about us, dum-dum. We're cranky. I'm cranky? Yes. And you're always cranky. Yes, but particularly today. And also, my allergies are kicking up really bad, so apologies if they sound like I have like a dick in my nose. My iconic that might cost more than a ton. Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. So welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast, where we have two grouchy people and a boomer who is always grouchy. Get off my lawn! I, the boomer, am Jacob. And the two cranky boys are Colin and Spencer. Hi. Hey. They are also tired cranky boys. We're making eyes at each other from across the room. They're going to be sleeping on each other's shoulders by the end of the episode. And I will be the one talking into the microphone. That's Probably. Right. Hey, I, I like your I like your shirt there, bud. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm, want to talk uh, about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, sure. Uh, so I'm wearing I'm wearing some merch that I purchased from uh, Collectiques. Uh, they're in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. They're a... Uh, uh, collectibles and antique store, as you could tell by the very punny name. Uh, so they have all sorts of nerdy geek stuff, video games, action figures, lots of f***ing action figures. Uh, they have a Lego lounge in the back room. You can buy Legos, you can assemble the Legos, you can bring your kiddos. Uh, they do have an arcade in the basement as well. Just all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, I was there today, nice. and the very nice lady behind the counter, who was very nice to me like through the whole visit, uh, called me Han on the way out, so Aww. I think I'm in love. They are located right across from our friendly neighborhood comic store, Jetpack Comics. So yeah, they are located across the street from our partners over at Jetpack Comics and Games, also in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. They are a comic shop, so they have comics. And collectibles. And and and, and manga. And probably some anime floating around somewhere in there. Maybe. I don't think so. No, no, no. They don't have like any like uh, videos, DVDs. I think they used to a while back. I don't remember that. I know they they get video games. Yeah, that that is true. They have games, and they've got they, so they got the board game. So you got your your tabletops, your RPGs. They got your, your Dungeons D&Ds. and Dragons. Yes, yeah. sir. That's yeah. where I get lots of my items from. Or if you're just a dice addict. I'm a f- dice goblin. Nice. You're just a goblin, period. Well, it's true. I have, like, more dice coming in. Oh but it's, gosh. like, it's kind of like in uh, Diablo or something. Like, <laughs> you have the little loot goblin, and he's, like, dropping gold everywhere, and you have to kill him quick, so you get the rare gear. <laughs> Colin's the, the dice goblin. He's just pick up dice everywhere he sees dice. So like, we have to kill he's him. He's not so we wrong. Can throw him in his I, sack. I just see, so like... So if we kill him, we get the loaded die that yes! always rolls in our favor. Um, I'm. You're about to die. <laughs> I actually bought a, not a loaded, not like a full on like twenty, one hundred percent die. I bought a like five percent. Jeez. You have a five percent chance of getting a twenty. Remind me not to play f- board games with you. Right. I'm doing it for a specific specific purpose for my future. Called cheating. No, for my future Wife. DMing. So you so can you're... control the narrative. No, no, no. So when you're in a certain situation. It's more. It's more in the bad guy's favor rather than yours. 
you guys might be the players that play in this. Yeah, you're more than welcome. You guys are going to be my guinea pigs for my first game. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, that gets Jacob off my back. He's been trying to get me to DM for, like, what, five years now? I know. I, I, bought, I bought, like, four books. It's been at least books. three. And I bought, that like, was only because you're more creative than I am. I would be like, okay, so you walk into the woods and an ogre steps out. Oh, no. No, no, no. The thing is, know. I feel so like I roll. you... I feel like you'd be is a good... There, are there any milfs behind the ogre? <laughs> Shut up, you <laughs> is wizard. Is the ogre your mom? Can I roll? <laughs> so, yeah, and Jetpack also has the dreaded Funko Pops if you are a child or... Hey! You are a child, Colin. Yeah. Or if you're, you know, they got some rare ones too, which is pretty neat. I, I do have a couple myself. I got my Hellboy one over there. You know, uh, they also, you know, this usual knickknacks and stuff. Hell of a lot of card game stuff. Get them Pokemans. Or, uh, Beyblades. Yu-Gi-Oh. Every once in a while they do get some Beyblades. Yeah, and weird. some nice ones. And they also have some snacks and stuff. And caffeine. You can also visit Jetpack's website and buy uh, plenty of books. They can help you find some stuff if you're a little bit of a pleb uh, and you can't, you know, operate eBay. <laughs> or if you're looking for something a little special, a little bit unique, they do have some stuff on their back wall as well. They just, just get in a pretty sweet batch of stuff that I was very interested in. Except for the War of the Realms Omnibus. Yeah, War of the Realms Omnibus is just kind of a pain in the butt for everybody. Marvel's being real weird about it. I'm really salty about that. Jacob, you're always salty. That's true. I mean, it comes with you, being a boomer. If you put a little bit of salt in your coffee, it can actually help, which is, it it takes off some of the bitterness. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, it, like, neutralizes it. It's I really also weird. like doing a little uh, shake of cinnamon on top of the coffee before brewing it. Hey, nice. I, I like, used not to put, too much, like, but... I would put, sometimes I'll put, like a, like, a teaspoon of, like, cocoa in with the grounds. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It yeah. depends on how... It depends, depends on, on the brew. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yes, Jetpack, support them, love them like we do. Yes. So to transition into the news, uh, we do have, sadly, to start off with a bit of a downer. Um, so from comicbook.com, uh, John Paul Leon, a beloved comic artist known for his work on titles like Static, Earth X, and Batman Creature of the Night, has passed away at the age of 49. The news was confirmed on Sunday by multiple people in the comic industry, including DC senior editor Chris Conroy. The cause of Leon's death is currently unknown at this time. Born on April 26, 1972, in New York City, Leon first began working in the world of illustration at the age of 16 with black-and-white illustrations uh, in Dungeon & Dragons magazines. After studying under Will Eisner, Walt Simonson, and Jack Potter while at New York's School of Visual Arts, Leon's first official comic work came in 1992 in the form of Dark Horse's RoboCop miniseries. Um, I... Real, the the real uh, interaction that I had with this work was do was reading the RoboCop miniseries. I thought that that was really really good. Um, I bumped into that. I was uh, would have been probably fourteen or fifteen, just like floating through some back bins looking for stuff, and I was like, wait, there was a comic of that. So I picked it up, and that that was really good stuff. Um, Leon is regarded to be one of the architects of the Milestone Comics universe, providing pencils for the initial Static miniseries in nineteen ninety three which established the fan-favorite hero Static Shock. Just a few years later, he helped put a stamp on the Marvel Comics universe with the Earth-X maxi-series. His work also includes the further adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, Animal Man, Challengers of the Unknown, and the Wintermen. He was previously nominated for an Eisner for his work on the short story Black Death in America alongside Tom King, which appeared in Vertigo's CMYK Black issue. Um, it 
honestly hurts every time open up the news and see another uh, really influential comic artist or writer uh, pass away, particularly one who was that young. Um, been having a lot of these lately. Honestly, it's just really depressing. Yep. But sucks seeing talent leave us. Uh, yeah. It, it, if sadly the there is there is a silver lining to these things, which is the fact that we then get to spread around their work a little bit more. Um, it stinks really bad. It, it's very horrible that sometimes it takes a death for people to notice things. But you know. It gets their work noticed in the long run by new people, and that does go a long way. Moving on from Marvel.com, in a brand new video, Marvel Studios gives you a glimpse of what's to come in Phase 4, including Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and Eternals. We have the release dates and new title cards for the current theatrical lineup consists of Black Widow, finally coming July 9th, 2021. Shang-Chi, September 3rd of this year, Eternals, November 5th, Spider-Man, No Way Home, December 17th, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness comes out March 25th of next year, Thor 4, which is how I like to call it, uh, May 6th of next year, Black Panther 2, July 8th, The Marvels, 11-11 of next year, ooh, 11-11-22. Good marketing there. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, February 17th of 23. Guardians of the Galaxy, May 5th of 23. And Fantastic Four, whenever that comes around. Yeah. So, something I wanted to nail on this before I forget. I think this is our soft, official, this is what all of Phase 4 will consist of, theatrically. Mm. Um, Because we do know of other things, like Blade, which are still getting in pre-production and such, but they haven't been, they weren't announced as part of this. And then, you know, like, it ends with Fantastic Four, which is, you know, the number four, and also doesn't have an official release date yet, because, you know, currently, um, John Watts is still working on Spider-Man No Way Home. So I feel like this is obviously not official, but that this is where my gut is. It's like us getting that uh, lineup, you know, back when we'd have like Hall H uh, for San Diego Comic-Con and we'd have, you know, the phase one and the phase two and we had all of those. Phase four has been kind of all over the place. Um, so I, I think this is our official theatrical lineup. And honestly, I don't, I don't believe this announcement as much as I normally would because of all the covid recovery bullshit that's still gonna happen so like cool they're trying to nail down dates and times and whatever but we'll see when it happens yeah it looks like a few of them might be on the very precautious side so if anything they might end up moving closer they're they're pretty far out there it is kind of sad that guardians 3 took so long with the whole james gunn fire hire scenario and then he went to go work on the suicide squad um but apparently the story hasn't like changed at all which is pretty cool it's quite a jump, especially, it seems like there's quite a jump between Spider-Man and Doctor Doctor Strange. That's like four months, three months? Uh, maybe not. Yeah, it's four. I don't know, that one just seems like a big jump, whereas the rest of them are like two-ish months. Yeah, it's still a lot of stuff. But, I mean, the larger part of this is we got some footage from the Eternals, which does look really good, like, visually speaking. Um, we have... 
Black Panther 2 is no longer called Black Panther 2. Uh, it's it's like Black Panther, and then the subtitle is Wakanda Forever. I This comes across like how we call, when we talk about Star Wars, we don't say Star Wars Episode 5. The Empire Strikes Back. We just call it Empire Strikes Back. I this is that's what it's conveying to me is like it needs the name on it for public recognition. But the title card has the Wakanda Forever part as much larger. So it feels like that's like really, really the title. They just kind of have to have the name on it for public reasons. And then Captain Marvel 2 is officially confirmed to be like the a Marvels. A, which honestly makes me way more interested. Because we now have Carol Danvers, we have Ms. Marvel, um, and then we have um Monica Rambeau, who they're probably going to call her uh, Photon, because she's got 18 different names in the comics. All three of them are in the logo, which I think was pretty cool. Wide hip lady. Not wrong. Um, so I thought that that was kind of noticeable. That was that, That's like the largest change we've had. Um, it's just good nice. to have more information. It's more substantial, because I think we've been collectively complaining that Marvel's been mostly doing like, weird back-and-forth stuff for a while, while DC has been a nightmare, but at least they're getting more stuff done collectively over the past, like, two, three years, you know, COVID time, um, whereas Marvel's been eh, faltering a bit. So I feel like this is a... It's a nice step that they're they're somewhat firmly planting their foot down. Yep. Moving on. Star Wars. Bad Batch confirmed to have 16 episodes by a producer, stating they have plans for a 16-episode season, but have high hopes for more stories. Oh yeah. I think they're not going to go past three seasons. I'm pretty confident this will make plenty enough money for them. They'll do more. This doesn't feel like a story that will go on perpetually. It feels like it does have... Well, it needs to have an end. I mean, obviously, like, but it doesn't feel like this is going to bleed directly. It it could link up with Rebels more closely. It might, but it feels like there is a... Which obviously we'll get into when we discuss the actual uh, premiere episode and episode two, but it feels like there is an end trajectory for this thematically, mm-hmm. and I feel like they're not going to stretch it out too much. And I'm hoping that they don't. But it is good to hear that they have aspirations. Yeah. Just don't choke on your aspirations. Sorry, it's a bad Star Wars joke. Darth Vader and his shit jokes. So we did have a new TV spot for Loki. Um, we've actually had two since last week. Um, and then also we are now... It's now confirmed that Loki will be coming out on Wednesdays. Um, I guess Disney listened to everyone and realized there are more days in the week than just releasing stuff on Fridays. Uh, so it will be premiering. So Loki was originally going to be coming out and premiering on the 11th of June. It will now be coming out on the 9th and continuing every Wednesday. Um, the footage is looking interesting. I just want to get to it already. <laughs> That's very different from what he said off air when he was like, fine, I'm excited for it. Just give me it. Yeah, I'm not like hyped, but I know you're definitely more excited for it than you were when it was announced. Yes, 100%. The footage is making me more intrigued. I'm not super invested in it. I feel like it's not going to have a lot of implications, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It just it's warming. My, My heart is warming up to the idea. Maybe it's just because I'm bored, not bored. It's a very different pocket of the universe from what we've been having right now, so it, it, it's something out there. I don't know. He's like a dimensional spy boy. Yeah, I, I'm down for that. We like the spy boys. Is that a spy kid Please joke? don't make him James Bond, though. I'm really not down for that casting. He Fan wouldn't. castings are bullshit. Yep. Anywho. From HollywoodReporter.com, behind Warner Bros. 
search for a black Superman after enlisting Ta Nahisi yes. Coates to write the latest feature on the superhero. The studio is searching for its director and star as it kickstarts the next phase of its DC universe. When Warner Brothers announced in February that celebrated author Ta Nahisi Coates is writing the screenplay and Abrams is producing, it did not address the matter of helming. But insiders say Warners and DC are committed to hiring a black director to tackle what will be the first cinematic incarnation of Superman featuring a black actor, with one source adding that putting Abrams at the helm would be tone deaf. The Superman film appears to be moving onto its own track and won't be part of the universe as of now. Sources tell THR that Coates is crafting a Cal L in the vein of the original Superman comics and will have the protagonist hail from Krypton and come to Earth. While the story is currently being crafted and many details could change, one option under consideration is for the film to be a 20th century period piece. So this is kind of the, the larger news of the week. Um, I feel like we're all in the same spectrum of emotions on this one. This is a big mixed bag of ideas. Uh, does anyone want to take point on this, or should I just get over with and Usually you're more liberal, so I would like you to back up your statement that we're um, all on the same page. I'm excited for Black Superman because I like comic book Black Superman. I am looking forward to this. I like Ta-Nehisi Coates. I do not agree with all of his stuff all the time, but I do think he is a good writer. I think he's a very earnest person, even if you can disagree with him. you know He, he comes through as fairly earnest. I think putting him in charge of a screenplay is a great idea. The big... Mm, unsure part of this. I think everyone in basically every corner of the comic community is kind of going, I don't know, is uh, the timing and surrounding um, details of this seem very suspicious. Um, so we have, you know, what I think most, mo basically all of us are going, why do you, why do you desire to take uh, Kal-El, implying, you know, quote-unquote, our Clark Kent, like normal Clark Kent, and then um, have him be a black guy. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it's more why. They're doing a different Superman. It's not Kal-El uh, Superman they're doing. It's Kal-El. That's so far what they're saying, is that it is Kal-El, as in Kal-El. So, they're... Obviously, there's a lot of wiggle room, and because it's still in development, there's a lot of stuff that can change. But most of us are going, why aren't you taking advantage of the characters that already exist, like Valzad, uh, Calvin Ellis? There are many black supermen, many of whom have lived on Earth, have fairly similar like stories to Clark Kent. It feels a bit um, odd. So, every, the, at least the, between the three of us. We know. Usually these things don't bother me that much. I think, generally speaking, people overreact and are just being weird. But the surrounding circumstances of this being shortly after um, the trial of Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd and the very large like collective outcry, especially across the United States, this, as well as the surrounding circumstances involving Ray Fisher and his, uh, let's say consistent battle with Warner Bros um, in terms of allegations for uh, various types of discrimination, including based on race and some other comments that have been made by other actors like in the DC Extended Universe. It feels like it's, uh, okay, guys, we'll make Superman black. Can we stop? Can, can, we're not racist, guys. Versus 
it just being, hey, we have this writer or this writer is going, hey, I have some ideas on this and there's that would be fine. It just, this could go either way. It feels exploitative by the studio to nail in on cultural interest rather than the artistic merit of it. So I hear all that and I kind of want to back it up with the part that bugged me in that they need to have a black writer and director leading it like they can't have jj abrams direct it because he's not black like it shouldn't freaking matter what color the director is like just make a damn good movie i mean i usually agree with that i don't personally speaking i don't I'm, you know i'm a white dude most movies are through my pov so i don't really care um, I definitely get what you're saying, and I, I mean, frankly, I just don't want Abrams touching it anyway. I yeah, because Abrams, you don't like Abrams sucks. I have, well, see, that's the thing. I have mixed feelings on J.J. Abrams. I think he seems like a really good, like, person, for sure, but, uh, he has a mixed record when it comes to movies as a whole, um, and I think his style would not be, based on the, the tone and, like, the presentation of what the script is gonna be, which sounds like a lot more, um, conscious probably emotional story compared to what Abrams does, which for the most part is like really hyped up Spielberg, bright, fun. J.J. Abrams likes having fun. He's a very surface level director. There's nothing wrong with that, but he does not do deep emotional stories like ever. That's not his forte of directing. So like, I, I think personally speaking, that's where I'm down with that idea, but I just don't care. It feels weird that they're highlighting it. Like, if that's something as a prerequisite they want to do to platform more uh, people of color to present this, that's fine. But it's why do you put it in the in the article that you release to the public feels a bit uh, virtue signally, which usually I don't say. So it, it, it comes across weird is I think the overall point is we don't know where this is going. So it feels weird. Also, they announced it on Henry Cavill's birthday. That's a big dick move to your current Superman actor. I have to get that out there. That's definitely not a coincidence. DC Stargirl from HBO Max renewed for season three before season two begins airing. I don't give a shit. I really didn't know that there was a Stargirl show. I think we've talked about it on the show before, but it's like I keep forgetting about it. I don't really care. I've heard it's about it. It's actually pretty good. And it's in the CW verse, but it's pretty good. I don't give a shit. Dang. Yeah, I think they're definitely showing a lot of confidence in it. Uh, obviously, because they're you know green lighting something before the second season has aired yet, which I believe is coming out end of summer this year. I might be wrong on that. Um, HBO's timetable seems a bit loose with their DC properties right now, but I mean, I'm honestly down. It doesn't have a lot of crossover with the other stuff, and it so far has been of a higher tier. You know, we're not talking S-tier content here, but if, like, normal CW content is, like, D-ish, probably, yeah, it's, like, it's like D-tier. This is, like, it's, it's like, B-tier. It's solid. It's nothing amazing, but it's, it's good fun. And it doesn't look horrible visually, so that helps. Nothing, nothing, okay. Not really. Don't care. Our main topic uh, this week is Kingsman The Golden Circle, which is a 2017 action spy comedy film directed by Matthew Vaughn and written by Jane Goldman and Vaughn. The second installment in the Kingsman film series is a sequel to 2014's Kingsman The Secret Service, which is based on the comic book The Secret Service by Mark Millar and Dave Gibbons. The film features Colin Firth, Taron Egerton, Mark Strong, Edward Holcroft, Hannah uh, Alstrom, and Sophie Cookson reprising their roles from the first film, 
with Julianne Moore, Halle Berry, Pedro Pascal, Elton John, Channing Tatum, and Jeff Bridges joining the cast. The film follows members of the Kingsmen needing to team up with their American counterpart, the Statesmen, after the world is held hostage by Poppy Adams and her drug cartel, the Golden Circle. So I liked this movie. Yeah, so a lot. we want to do we want to lampshade the fact that when we talked about the first movie, it was basically just me talking about it because you guys did not give a flying shit. Not really. See, no, I I loved like what I was seeing with like all the spy gear and shit, but like the story, I didn't give a. F- I mean, uh, creepy lady was kind of hot. Um, I mean, she's got them stiletto legs. Yeah. Uh. Uh. What I can say mainly about this movie is I like them cowboys. Ram Ranch. <laughs> I have yeah. cut Ram Ranch out no, of dude, every leave, leave episode. That's a, have to that's a legitimate that point. Leave ah! it Let Colin discuss why he likes it. You know, so I actually like this movie less than the first one, but that's just that's my my taste in terms of overall over the topness. This movie is way more over. You the don't top like the whiskey? Yeah, with but the, whiskey the first colors. one is freaking. Over the top too. Oh yeah, with but all it, the heads exploding into glitter and yeah, I think that one was way more um, over the top than the second one. There's this... a lightsaber whip. Okay, that's realistic. So the last no, it's not it's more realistic than that. I could summarize. The last one was over the top in like a comic book way. It was artistically over the top. Like I said, the head's exploding into glitter and whatever. It's very stylized. It, yes, it's stylized. This one feels like a Mission Impossible knockoff where it's like action that would never ever physically be able to happen. I think that's actually a really good way to put it. The first, obviously, there's are kind of spoofs on James Bond to an extent, um, as James Bond is in and of itself a spoof on itself. Um like the first movie to me is is a lot like a like a like a modern very edgy James Bond versus this one it does feel like a Mission Impossible movie that's a really good point that I hadn't actually considered and I personally am not a huge fan of said franchise I have no problems with it we're not going to get into that but it's not like a, a ride or die shit not like I'm like that with Bond either but it's just more but anyway please tell me what did you like Jacob I liked Viewing this movie for the first time and making so many memes about it because it made Colin and Spencer feel very uncomfortable because I was broaching topics I never do and they didn't know who I was. I didn't know how to take it from you. Scroll invasion confirmed. (laughs) Um, I think what you're actually trying to say is Jacob is Mephisto confirmed. Also, um, speaking of memeing, Colin couldn't go 10 minutes in the movie without yelling anal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was funny when Spencer said, tell me what you guys liked. Jacob, my first thing was literally going to be, my, one thing I loved about this was that he married the anal girl. Oh my gosh. The anal princess. Oh my gosh. The princess of the anal. Uh, I find the golden it... circle anal. <laughs> yeah, Colin would not. For the audience's sake, we watched this right before we recorded because it's easier to watch movies in a group setting, particularly ones that basically just I'm pushing to watch and then they don't really want to. So then we get to meme on it. So it's more enjoyable. And then Colin, literally, it's like six minutes. Anal! That's all he kept <laughs> Absolute dweeb. Colin, do you have anything more about that other than the fact that you I'm were- pissed! I'm pissed! Oh boy. Okay? They blew up the f***ing house! Please go on this rant. Okay! Just don't scream about it the whole time, because then the mic okay, can't hear well, you. Okay, give, give me a- Ah! Okay. I hate when movie franchises always blow up 
the f house or like the cool ass bases or whatever in either the second movies or the first. It's like it's like every action movie or you know how there's that thing with franchises where the second movie someone loses a hand mm-hmm. like that's mainly i think a star superhero wars. star wars it comes from star wars and then yes. it shares into superheroes mostly yeah. yeah mainly superheroes but what i've noticed is with action movies it's always the house blows up yes in the second movie but batman begins was the first movie in the house burnt down that has john wick bothered me. Num- john wick number two house blew up be very careful with what you say. What do you mean? I f-ing love John Wick. Why are you trying to start an argument with me? That's not he very loves you. careful. Oh, he's making a stupid ass reference. You Snyder bot. F-ing you. This is foreplay. So something that um, I definitely appreciate about this movie, even though it does lean a bit too, not too stylized, but like a bit, it's like everything's kind of hyperbolic, um, which I enjoy in some things. It just with Matthew Vaughn's directing and writing style, um, whereas I think it really, really shines in First Class, uh, X-Men First Class, which I believe we talked about last week. Jacob really liked. That's one of my favorite X-Men movies. Um, He was also potentially going to do a Superman movie at some point, which I think would have been really cool. But um, I think it works better in the first Kingsman because it's not subtle. It's not subtle. It's loud and it's brash. But it feels like the second movie is a lot more. Everything's cranked up to like 115%. It's just a bit much. Um, but that does mean it is. it can turn almost into schlock, almost. It gets to the point where you really can just turn your brain off and go, eh, it's dumb. To counter that, though, they took a couple of beats from the original, yes. and it didn't feel like, oh, they did that in the first movie. Like, they improved upon those beats from the first movie, so... You know, th- that that I did like. I remember when I, when I first watched it when it came out, um, I watched it in theaters, uh, Kingsman, the first one was one of the first, I think I might have mentioned, was one of the first R-rated movies I got to watch. Um, so it's it's got a, a connection. It's connected. Interlinked. Interlinked. Um, I like how he saw that one coming. Oh, I knew it from I a mile s- away. I saw it. Um, so when I watched this in theaters, uh, I remember those moments, and I was like, oh, dang, they're going to they're gonna do the thing. And then like, um, one of them is the, the manners maketh man thing in the bar, and then it, it's a comedic twist because like, ha. He's, he's lacking depth perception, so he can't aim right. Like, it's funny. It's not just we lampshaded what we did, and then we did it again. It's, they did it. There's a twist. You know. I Sometimes like that. that's definitely something that can be overdone in these types of movies, where it's like, guys, I was did, actually going to, I was getting the bored. the first real, movie, but we did it better. I, I got really bored, like, right when he said, right when he got up, because I was like, oh, they're going to do this again. Right. And then they twisted, I'm like, okay, I'm not bored. <laughs> he missed. That was that was funny. That it's a good it's a good chuckle. So on the note of really funny, just things that are like entertaining, <clears throat> the freaking whatever the hell they called it, the the face head containing blob thing. I liked that. It makes them look like they're like um, blobfish, like the decompressed blobfish. So you know, like blob. blob you know blobfish from the internet, like the big old meme. Blob. They don't look like that when they're underwater because they live so deep. Like they're compressed. When they're on land, they're f- they're they're gonna die. All I can think of is the fish-looking thing from Men in Black. No, <laughs> um, but like it it makes them look like that a little bit. Like their nose bulges and then drops in like the same fashion. I find it hilarious. Just wrap this stretchy, sticky thing around their head and then stab them twice and put the, the, the special juices in it, and then it boils up and it fixes their head. And I 
I died. I think that's absolutely flipping hilarious. The butterflies are great. Just ongoing butterfly joke. Just, yeah, he's butterfly, man. Um, as someone who was considering getting into that when I was younger, um, I connected with it on an emotional level of wanting to play with the butterflies. I never, what, a lot Colin? I never knew that. I was going to be a butterfly man. What? Were you actually? Yes. Oh, my Dude, God. Dude, I've considered doing that. I considered, and I do still kind of have an eye for doing floral arrangements. That's kind of like my backup trade is like I can go get trained on how to do that officially. Like people at work like ask me about flowers, which is pretty cool. Um, what's, your the, what's your uh, favorite flower? That's a bank statement question. You're trying to hack his bank account, aren't you? No. Oh, that's... <laughs> I'm cutting out the answers for his bank security. Yeah, just in case. Um, also, what's your mother's grandmother's... Maiden name. Maiden name. <laughs> uh, suck my dirty balls. No spaces. That's a weird maiden name. <laughs> um, I think it's usually... Um, a f- bachelor's buttonhole, or whatever the f- it's called, something like that. I can't remember the bachelor's, bachelor's buttonhole. Buttonhole. <laughs> fucking let me golden circle. Shut up. Let me What's your favorite flower? flower? I don't freaking know. Damn. I just like the finale of this movie. It's very fun. It's just it's a really well choreographed action sequence. It's very over the top and goofy. They got them them baseball grenades. I loved those. Freaking British man. Sings an American song while on a landmine, blows the f*** up. Lots of alcohol. Lots of booze. Lots and lots of booze. Um, I love how as subtly everything is like colored like whiskey. Like it's got that nice caramel. American. Yeah. Like it, it might just be my eye catching it or um, it's probably intentional. Like a lot of the stuff is um, either for the Kingsman and the Statesman is like antique gold, gold and like whiskey. And same with the wood tones brown. and everything. And it's like, mm, it's a lot of booze-looking stuff. We got gold. Makes me thirsty. We got brown. We got, we got more brown. We got burrs. We got camel. We got, we got baseball. Well, speaking of well-choreographed, can we please talk about the Bad Batch? Yes. So, we, are, so we have um, Star Wars Bad Batch Episode 1. I think we should keep the two episodes discussion separate, just for the sake of... Because the first one's a lot of stuff to tackle. I have a couple of things, and I would like to start off with the opening scene for The Bad Batch starts with the title card mm. of uh, The Clone Wars that burns away into ash and reveals The Bad Batch. So it's like basically what Colin said a couple of weeks ago. It's basically just Clone Wars Season 8, but it's not. And then we get, um, and then we get the Clone Wars voiceover. <laughs> That yes. was awesome. I wasn't expecting that. That was amazing. Oh, that was so good. I like how it's not continuing into the rest of the season, but that was a really nice transition. Mm-hmm. I also heard something about that voice. That actor might be having some health problems and might be dying, which would suck. Um, I That's one of the voices of my childhood, is mm-hmm. that guy and then Jeff Steitzer from Halo. Like, announcer voices. Double kill. Overkill. F- hell. It's so good. Overkill. You do so, it really well. He does. I can't do it. Do it one more time. Triple kill. No, I won't. No, that was pretty good still. Betrayal. That That was good. (laughs) That one, I want to play Halo now. That's (laughs) what we're doing after this. those for use later. I should just go through every single Halo metal so you have those on hand (laughs) as memes. In-house memes. Everybody can know, like, when Spencer's doing the editing because you get (laughs) Halo memes through the whole freaking episode. (laughs) I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I really like that transition period in, and then it follows up with episode two 
where we just have the, you know, we have the, the Bad Batch's, like, variation of um, the Clone Wars theme. So it's carrying on the legacy, but, like, it's a little different. We have that. That was introduced in the Bad Batch episodes of Season 7. Mm-hmm. And we just have the little title. It doesn't have the little, like, Clone Wars. Most of the seasons had, like, the little bit, like, the little, like, Yoda advice where it's, like, nobody cares, but it's kind of cute and kids get it. Where it's, like, just this little one sentence, like... Sakurera. No, like... Investing in your friends pays off later, basically. Like those, you know, those little, those cute little life lesson things that are relevant to the episode. Whereas all of us over the age of fifteen are like, okay, this is kind of dumb, but like it's cute. I like how that isn't there. It's it's taking a little bit more seriously. Speaking of smooth transition, we have an improvement in the animation style. Oh yeah, it's so smooth. Very smooth. They're adding Silky. in a lot of the really floppy um, hats. Yes, hair the floppy movements. hats. The hair is a lot more facial twitching. It feels more. I don't want to say uh, procedurally generated sounds bad. It's clearly intentional, but it feels more simulated. So they're it's following laws versus like, it when uh, it does happens in the Clone Wars outside of basically season seven. Um, even in the later stuff, it's very clear what's going on. Like, we all know how janky the animation was at the beginning, and it got so much better after, like, season one, basically. The movie was the worst. That thing was rushed out the door so hard. It looks like shit. Because it's this weird 3D render of what Tarkovsky's models looked like from the original Clone Wars series. Yep. And that just became its own thing. Like, it's really janky. So towards the end, it, it was a lot better, but it still felt very stiff. For the most part, like um, cell shaded 3D animation type deal, which I like as a style, but sometimes it can feel very artificially stiff, and it relies a lot on like the performances and the. It relies on that blue pill. Yes, um, a lot of it is very very subtle though. Like Colin was saying, the the floppy hat flapping in the wind yeah, and hair movement. They've and added a lot more subtlety they got some to it now. More I facial movement animation, right? Yeah, I think I noticed that a lot with. Um, how lightsabers move for one because yeah. i think this is this is something which didn't happen on air because this was before we started recording but when colin and i were watching clone Wars season seven i jizzed the f- all over the fact that the lightsabers move differently in season seven than they did previous yeah how the light bends is so much cooler like they always look like they're bending all over the place even though they're not it's just how the light works and it's insane light simulations so it's like that sort of stuff, and then the hair movements, and yeah, like the really small facial t- facial twitches. I watched this episode, the first episode on my computer plugged into my monitor, and then I watched um, the second one, sadly, on my phone. And just the difference between those two is insane. You blow it up, and it's so much clearer, and it... I I'm been... making the, the anime face. It's I've so good. been watching most of it on my phone, and I'm kicking myself. I saw... Uh, an episode from season seven of the Clone Wars on the TV, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that looks so much better than on my phone." So there is the only thing I think that I have to complain about from the first episode. Um, they kind of retconned a little bit of stuff with Kanan, um, or as he was Caleb Doom at the moment uh, when he was getting. Yeah, they it's did because so we have what we were told in Rebels, which it, those two mesh. But the Kanan Marvel comic series, which was written by the one of the Rebels writers, so, like, those two were really tied. It kind of contradicts what we're given now. So, like, the shows, all of the, the, the shows and the TV stuff all works. 
it's just near the comic, which admittedly we all kind of know that the books and the comics, while usually like 99% canon, if they somebody who has a bigger budget at a TV show or a movie overrides it, they're going to override it, which sucks. But um, you can like kind of twist them together to make it work. It's fine. It's not like it's a big deal. That was kind of lame. But like having Kanan in the intro, I think was a really good thing because it ties in both shows. So this it, this is kind of acting as a really good bridge between Rebels and Clone Wars. Whereas this is, you know, the Clone Wars sequel we've all wanted because that's not what Rebels was. Rebels was its own thing. I do love Rebels, but it's very not a Clone Wars sequel. Um, so he kind of acts as a transition because we even had Kanan kind of in season seven, like as a hologram or whatever, but it planted the idea that that might happen. And then he pops up in this still being done by Freddie Prince Jr. as like a 40 year old man, which I thought was hilarious. Like such a deep voice for a child. It was so funny. I don't care. It's great. Having the, the, the master and a Padawan, even though I, so Jacob hasn't watched rebels that I can remember. Right. Right. Um, so you don't even know who the hell I'm talking about. Right. Um, but like just having like a, a Jedi POV for the beginning of the first episode and having those two things, I think is really, it really helps mm -hmm. because I was really hoping we were going to get to see order 66 again. Yeah. I, know I love seeing really order 66 We've now moments. seen it three times. I was hoping that that was in season seven or so. Seen it, it three times. Nice. So. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we just got, yeah, it is. Once you get there, it's really good. It's okay. really, really well done. And uh, we also saw order 66 in uh fallen order. Yes. And uh, we have seen it four times then. Yeah, no, they all mesh really well because you have so many different corners of the galaxy where the same thing is happening. It's, it's so good. I think I do think season seven handles it the best. But I was kind of thinking about it, and it's kind of shitty of Emperor Mickey to have the Clone Wars on Disney Channel, and then like as we've discussed, this is basically season eight of Clone Wars, or it's like really, 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 really so tightly close to Clone Wars and they don't have the Bad Batch on the Disney Channel, you have to pay for the subscription. I think that's kind of lame. I mean, it's robbing fair. our kids of great TV. I mean, well, honestly, fair, a lot of seven of Clone Wars isn't on any of the other stuff. It is only on Disney Plus. It was only on or er, Really? Yeah, so season mm -hmm. one through five aired Clone on Wars Cartoon Network. Clone Wars entirely is only on Cartoon Network. On That's Network. And then they did make their way to the Disney Channel, kind of, not the Disney Channel, but like a Disney-owned thing. Uh, <clears throat> season six was released on, I think some of it made its way, it was on like StarWars.com or whatever, and then they put it on a disc. Yeah, it's, wait, it's Rebels was really. on Disney, right? Yes, because um, it was the lost season. It's, it's kind of not cobbled together. Huh. Um, but they were gonna can it. They like it was announced like season five is the end, and they're like, "Guys, no, we're not done. We still have like a hundred scripts." They're like, fine, you have like twelve episodes, and then they did the those episodes, and then we had a bunch of different tie-in products. There's I've mentioned this before. There's a bunch of different books and comics that were old Clone Wars scripts, which I think is really cool. Um, and then we got season seven, which they finished off even more episodes that were already in production, and there's still more. But um, no, season seven is exclusive to Disney Plus. Hmm. I did not know that. But still, the point remains: picking, yeah. stop robbing from our children. Great TV. I mean, let's be honest. It's a seven dollars subscription service. Most people Every, have basically a... everyone who has kids who like Star Wars, Marvel, or Disney already has it. But you're not wrong. Um, 
That was like the only complaint I had. I love the fact that we got a long episode. Like this isn't even a long episode. This is a movie, but it doesn't work entirely as a movie on its own. It works as a really, really long episode, which I love. I, love. I think it. It's kind of the connector between the two shows. It. It's a seventy-minute transition from Clone Wars to Bad Batch, and then the the episode that released on Friday is just another twenty-minute episode, and that's what Bad Batch is going to be like. So yeah, I like the idea. No, I definitely I like that because we had. Um, I just thought I, that crosshair is uh, Batty, Betty boy. I do love that. I, I think we're gonna crosshair. lose. I, like I think I had mentioned. I mentioned you guys off air. I didn't avoid this, the promotional material, but I wasn't checking out like the posters and everything. I was like, okay, major trailers. I figured we'd lose one of the members to the Empire or to sixty six or sixty six or whatever. I think that that was a really good choice. No, um, yeah, of course. it works well. It makes conflict. Um, and I like the fact that they continue the um, the conspiracy arc from season what was it six I think five or six of Clone Wars, um, where you know we have all the, the discovery of the the implanted chips and all that sort of stuff. So it connects super well. We get to see the droid from that arc again, which was awesome. Cute little <laughs> and he doesn't do like his little rideable <laughs> droid jetpack thing, which was kind of lame, but. Um, I I just really like how well it connects to that. You get to see how we get these from Clone Wars, these clones who are so unique. They're all really well written individual characters with their own stuff. Okay, on a rare occasion, some of the like unnamed ones obviously blend together, but like for the most part, they're super unique. They have personality and stuff. And then we just go into this. As soon as Order sixty six happens, they're just all walking automatons. Like, they're not direct, they're not, like, mind-controlled literal droids, but they have less personality than the battle droids did. Yep. They do nothing. They're just there, and then they they fight because the Bad Batch, like, have a f***ing personality. So, did you guys notice in episode two, they are escorting, what's the family's name? Um, it, uh, from Cut's family. Cut yeah. And, yeah, it's yeah, Cut's and family. his family uh, to the departure freaking ship. And Wrecker is carrying something, and like the group stops, and wa- Wrecker takes one more step to catch up with them, and hits his head on something like like right on his forehead, just like the classic boo boo from Episode Four. I didn't see that. You didn't oh see yeah, that? it's so f- it's well, so it's, good. Well, you guys were like f-ing walking around and yelling and saying shit around me while I'm trying to watch this episode. So it was kind of like I was like, I what was going on? Almost missed it, but it made a clunk sound, and I was like, did he just? He, he did, did. He did the meme. He he did the meme real good. Uh, no, and it was I, like so subtle. None of the other characters noticed or anything. Like just like the classic. So yes, it was very well done. That is really cool. Um, I really on that kind of note with Wrecker. I something I was worried about um, when this show was kind of announced was I like the Bad Batch. I liked them in season seven. They didn't feel like they could carry a show on their own because they are very much so stereotypes. But. I think that's the point. I think that is the thematic point of this show, is we are going from these characters who have been nothing but what they were designed to do. We have, you know, not, they are one thing and they're, you, they're good killing. They're not Wolverine, but they are, they are caricatures. And then we are, even already in the first two episodes, they're already changing. They're already growing. And I think that's the point of this show, is they are going to just, they're turning into human beings. Now that they are segmented from the Republic and the Empire and they're doing their own shenanigans and they're probably going to get wrapped up in the Rebellion a little bit 
It might tie into Rebels. They might run into other clones. It would be great if we could see Rex again. Oh, it'd be so good. Um, I hate Cody. the fact that we just mixed. They we just missed Rex by like two days. That sucks. Um, that's a big cock tease. Like, come on, give us Rex. Go back to Rex. Do it again. It kind of. Uh, I was kind of annoyed through the first episode because just every time Wrecker opened his mouth, it was just played for laughs, and it was really, really, really dumb. Like, it was so cringe that it made my brain kind of hurt every time he talked. Like, we get it. We understand what his character's like. Please, just stop talking. But he definitely changed a lot in episode two. He was much more funny. He had a lot of pranks, and it felt less cringe. I definitely agree with that. Sorry, Colin, go. I got quite emotional when the girl got yelled at by, or Omega got yelled at by Hunter, because Hunter was just, like, scared for her. He was, like, worried, and then she was scared because she thought she did, like, she did something wrong. Like, yeah, she went out there, but she didn't know, and she felt like she did something wrong, and she just hid her head in, like, Cuts's shoulder. I was like, oh, can we Omega! And then Wrecker's, you know, Wrecker's just like, hey, kid, you okay? And it's just like... Worried for her, too. I'm like, oh, my heart. Yeah, so that's something. To, I, at first, when Jacob opened his mouth, I'm like, so do you not like it? And then you were like, no, 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 episode two is better. That's kind of what I'm talking about is, like, in season seven, record didn't, like, annoy me a lot. But I was like, okay, the dumb big brute's talking. Right. And I like how just in the start of episode two where it's like, Oh, yeah, 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 Uncle Wrecker, which is such a weird name. But, I love like, that. we have, he's already just hanging around those kids. We see not a different side, but, like, it's way less caricature. It's a, a little bit more articulate. It shows just more character depth. And I love the fact that essentially we're just getting, like, a dissociated dad arc for freaking uh, Hunter. I was really worried because I felt like Hunter was the most generic of all of them when we started in season seven. Because yeah, he kind of is. Because yeah. he, he looks like Rambo. He I, looks like Rambo, and he's cool. I think he's the coolest one, for sure. But hmm. like in terms of talking, I think you can argue that they're all pretty generic. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Uh, but he's the, mo- he's, he's the generic action hero. He looks like Rambo. He's got the f- bandit. He's got the thing around his head. He's got the essentially a mullet. He looks like Rambo. Which is great. I love Stallone. Stallone's like... I like Echo. Yes. But, yes! I love the fact that Echo is the one who has the depth already. Because he's already gone through so many things over a decade. And he's bringing more depth to this crew. He's already more articulate and doing... He has different reactions from all of them on everything. He doesn't fall into... Well, he's kind of like Tech most of the time. Because Tech's the dweeb who knows the shit. Echo does have a lot of that. He's got the Tech implants... And he's smart and stuff. But, like, he agrees with all of them on different points. Like, he doesn't take, like, sides in the crew. And I love that. Just mm. like you do most of the time on the show. <laughs> yes. I identify. He would be Echo. He would be Echo. Thanks. Um, he would be the traumatized war hero. Tell you what. But the one who has the most amount of depth. This week of <laughs> binging this character or story arc has definitely added uh, good soldiers follow orders to my terminology. Common usage. Common memes in life. Good soldiers follow orders. Yes. So, I... Can we talk about Omega now? Sorry. That was my transition! Go ahead. Yes. So I think the collective concern, definitely for me, was 
I know I brought this up like last week and the week before. Oh no, they're adding a child lead to the show. Yep. It's going to be dumb. Oh my gosh, I love this child. I, I love this child knew it, so you much. Retard. I knew it. I was worried, not because I don't think they couldn't do it, because I was a little concerned. Because, I mean, even Rebels, I think, does that to an extent, whereas, like, Ezra is too childish compared to everyone else. He is the, you know, the child of the group. We have Ahsoka, whatever the hell. Like, I get it. I was a little concerned. But she is clearly written as part of the show. It isn't, we need a child lead so the mm -hmm. kids will watch. She's, like, probably the protagonist of this show in the long run. Obviously, Hunter is, like, the main POV right now. Mm -hmm. But she has a mysterious backstory. So it's weird to see a gender-swapped Jango Fett because she's just a Jango clone who's a chick. That's weird. I, what's That's funny, specific. I didn't realize. I didn't. I didn't realize that this would be a female clone. Same. Until they said it on the episode, because I was wondering where she was from, why, and then when we started watching the first, or when I started watching the first episode, and we go to Camino, I'm like, I the first thought that came in my head was, I've they never made a female clone. I wonder why they never did that. And then they say that I'm like. I was just thinking that. What? Yes. So I on that thing, I like the fact that um, it kind it just helps because she has the voice actress that uh, portrays her is is from New Zealand, and I think it's really obvious because she has a very strong accent, and that really ties in well with the fact that that's um, Tamora Morrison is from New Zealand, um, and like that just works well. Like canonically, Django Fett is not from this planet that has a New Zealand. But, like, that's the, the how they've portrayed how, like, he is. And I like that that follows through with the child because um, Daniel Logan playing Boba Fett when he was on The Clone Wars didn't do that to the same extent. Um, I think he might also be from New Zealand. I might be wrong on that. Don't quote me. Um, he had some of that, but because, you know, Boba Fett is different. He has his own. He's, he was not aged up, blah, blah, blah. Omega is so awesome. She has a purpose, and I think I know what it is. Because they obviously designed uh, the clone to be a female, for one. That's an intentional choice. And two, she was she's mentioned as one of the five clones who have intentional genetic defects. Yeah. Slash abnormalities. So we don't know what hers is, but judging by what happens at the end of episode one, where she makes this, not like insanely good job, but like this, this shot with the blaster that... Someone with no training should not be able to do. You know in Star Wars code what that is, right? It's mm -hmm. the Force. She's Force-sensitive. They're doing, they're tying it into Palpatine again. Which is annoying because episode 9. But you gotta admit that they're really nailed in on this whole, yeah, no, genetic cloning is like a really big deal now. And I'm very down. So, because good soldiers follow orders, uh... This week, I read Dr. Spectrum, uh, the Max series from Marvel from 2004 and 2005, written by Sarah Sam Barnes, penciled by Travel Foreman, and inked by John Dell. Do either of you know who Dr. Spectrum is? No idea. No. Okay, because that's how I entered this series as well. The character was first introduced in February of 1971, and I've never heard of him. Uh, this is kind of tough to review, too, because, again, I don't know anything about the character. Um, apparently, this six-issue run is an origin story. Uh, it starts with Joe Ledger, 
Dr. Spectrum, uh, being introduced to some stupid freaking magical gem, and as soon as he touches it, uh, he immediately goes into a coma, and he remembers everything that brought him up to this point in life, um, which explains his character and how he's not really a good guy, mostly. Like, I would call him an anti-hero, but... Um, that sounds kind of Spawn-like. Uh, yeah, kind of. So some hijinks happen during the coma, <laughs> like the army trying to cut his arm off because it has the jewel like glued to it or what whatever. The <laughs> <laughs> but the run ends when he wakes up and decides that he's a hero. Like, probably. But... <sighs> Does the comic book play I Need a Hero from Shrek? Does I it, need a hero! Like, like, is it like a card? Like the, the cards that play music? You open up the book, and he's like, I'm going to be here now. That just plays so that song. So it's interesting you say that. It's part of the character, and I'm not quite sure why. But I think it's the jewel uh, causes him to hear music. I think the, the jewel does something with his mind, and he like hears music from whatever freaking planet this gem is from or whatever. So, so he's got the Elon Musk chip in his head. It could be that song that you were just talking about. But uh, I got the six issues bundled at Jetpack in a little baggie for eight bucks, and it was kind of meh. Eight bucks, though? That's not bad. No, it's not. And I was interested <laughs> to find out what this character is, so... Interesting. Yeah. I really, really, really dig Jetpack bagging a whole series together and marking it down a little bit because it's trades, single trades. Like, yes. I've gotten three in the past three weeks. Oh, by the way, I went in there today and they got rid of all the hand baskets and the front door was open. <gasps> my Whoa. front door. That's I'm cool. so excited. Well, that means my Instagram post with our photos is no longer valid. Very sad. That sucks. Not stonks. Because. Colin wasn't able to read or watch or do anything with his life this week besides work and eat and sleep and poop. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a a running uh, idea or concept on the show is that uh, we'll have a backlog of just basic generic questions to grill that person with no talking points with. So, for example... Uh, because Colin hasn't read anything this week, I'm going to ask him what his first comic book was, what his introduction to comics Whoa. was. And if that first one sucked ass, what was the one that made him go, holy shit, I love comics? Okay, so... So, wait, are we gas or charcoal grilling this? Put on your I new balance. I prefer, We're going on a road trip. I prefer broil, actually. That is very based. Growing up... I was given a lot of comics on my birthdays and Christmas from my uncle who used to sell comics on eBay. Um, I need a rich comic uncle. <laughs> all those single issues are from him. Uh, so it was kind of like mixed for me because I wasn't able to follow any stories. Actually, my first story ever, and it was a full story I got to read, was Batman Venom. That's not a bad introduction. That was my first introduction into like reading a story. It's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading when I was 12. My first story is Batman being addicted to drugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that story is really all over the place. I but Batman on drugs is fun. I still have them. 
And they are still one of my favorite Batman stories to read, just because it's fun, uh, nostalgia. Nice. Um, it's really interesting to see Batman in such a low, and um, seeing how he, like, gets out of that by just like locking himself up in the the Batcave essentially, and like being, it's like eating rats or being given some food by Alfred, but like I think he would deny himself of yeah. that food. Uh, if I can remember correctly. It, there were some elements that were, like, really, like, that's how this dude made the drugs? What? But, like, just the, like, what Batman was doing was really cool. Mm-hmm. It was mean. I'm I was jealous. mainly focused on Batman, how he acted. I'm jealous of your introduction. Thanks. Same. I was going to say it was Hellboy, because that's what got me into being on a comic buying spree. But my first storyline was Batman Venom. Nice. So, um, I read uh, Hellblazer Rise and Fall, which is a uh, three-issue Black Label miniseries um, from 2021 into 20... Wait, no. Yeah. Starting in 2020 into 2021, uh, written by Tom Taylor and illustrated by uh, Derek, Derek Robertson. This is a partial prequel um, to Hellblazer. As with most Black Label things, if it's not explicitly in its own world or whatever... You can construe it as in or out of continuity as you please. I think this one fits totally fine. It just has a very different tone. This is actually kind of, I wouldn't say upbeat. Um, the story has a lot of fun. If you've read anything by Tom Taylor, I think you'll get it. He has a very unique writing style of like having some pretty dark things, but he still has a lot of fun with it. Basically, Constantine, when he was child, did a dumb thing. He summoned a demon with some of his some of his friends. He accidentally killed one of his friends, and now... Uh, this apparently this child is back now that he's an adult but the child is still a child and it's like oh no it's the devil and then shenanigans ensue constantine um <laughs> satan but not really but then he does get to kiss satan at the end of the book in the pub bathrooms that's not a joke um it's a very constantine book in that sense like it's more um i think it fits more with constantine's personality Versus something like, you know, with a lot of Hellblazer books, like you have John contrasting with the narrative quite frequently where the, the stories and the themes can be real dark and spooky. And then John's just like smoking ah, a cigarette. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. You, you this story is a lot more like that. So in that sense, it has a lot more fun. I was going to say Constantine has his own quirky, unique sense of humor. Yes, mm -hmm. it it's somewhere between those two things. I do think Tom Taylor is a, definitely a good writer for uh, Hellblazer, and I would love it if he was able to get on the, the current on-running book at some point. Um, so, yeah. The art um, is not my favorite type of art, and frankly, I don't know how to describe the style very well, except to use an analogy I've already used before. It has some similarities to Richard Corbin's art. Nowhere near as caricature-ish, but it, you know... There's just a vibe that those sorts of art styles give off. What's the story called again? Hellblazer Rise and Fall. Uh, the cover art, I think, the, the various covers are really good and like stuff like that. There's just some good variants as well. Um, and there are lots of really great panels. Like There's some really good, some good picturesque stuff. But a lot of the panel-to-panel, -panel, it's kind of ugly. The people are very not aesthetically pleasing. Um, it has some weird proportion stuff every once in a while it's intentional 
usually this is just isn't a sort of art style that appeals to me, but I think it does work fairly well for this book. And I think this is this art style probably as well as it's ever going to work for me. So I will definitely give it that. Um, definitely not, not a negative, just kind of neutral on it. Just not really my thing. Um, Satan, meaning so Lucifer Morningstar in this, is freaking hilarious. Um, it, as usual, when Lucifer is interacting with characters in the DC areas of the universe, is a hoot. Uh, he tricks John into thinking that they f just to screw with him. And then Satan's like, no, 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 you're like not even close to being in my league. It was so funny. Like he talks John towards the end of this book a lot. It's really funny. Um, you know, Satan murders some people. Basically, the demon that escaped and is now possessing the child um, is like having a war with Satan. And that's why he's involved. Um, he stole Lucifer's wings and is using those to basically f*** with people. It's a whole bunch of, like, the, you know, the the occult slash G, uh, Abrahamic religion adjacent stuff. Like, the myths and legends that rise outside of the actual religious texts. Like, you know, how angel wings work, whatever the hell. Like, those sorts of things, which is really uh, what Constantine usually focuses on. So that was cool. Um, I did enjoy the more upbeat tone and just weird sense of humor i just like tom taylor's sense of humor he's australian they're cool they have a funky sense of living and i love it i enjoyed this book i feel like i don't know colin i don't think is gonna like the art i, I just looked at it i yeah i don't think you're gonna like it you probably won't hate crazy it. won't touch it okay the story i think you probably enjoy i feel like jacob Probably still won't like the art very much. But I, I just saw him it. making out with uh, Satan. It's so funny when it happens. Oh, my God. I'm all f***ing class. I am. So you said, I don't know, you generalized something about what we think of uh, Constantine slash Hellblazer books, and uh, I would like to disagree with you because I've never read one. <gasps> Leg gasp. I know. Get on that shit. Where should I start? I have the first one, like yeah, the, the very first. The for, very is that first. the one that goes before the second one that you've bitched about a lot because yes. you can't read it? Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, Either start with the very, very first original or sense. start with the New 52 relaunch or the current Black Label run. I think the... Those are kind of the three major hopping on points. I actually really, really enjoyed the original sins. Yes. So. Yeah, no, probably just start there. Um, so I bought it for $25, which is full retail price. I think on sale, it's not bad. What kind of sale? Twenty uh, percent off, seventy, forty, anything under 60? twenty. Like it's a nice hardcover book. Um, it's uh, it, it's the large, you know, black label sized books. Right. I don't like the dust jacket. It's just kind of glossy and boring, um, and kind of cheap feeling. But the book is nice. It's a good size. I don't know. I if I could go back in time, I would like to have this on my shelf. I think it's a nice thing to have. Um, I'll probably read it again at some point, but I, I wouldn't go, I need it. I don't know. I always have a weird relationship. I like just having them even if I don't love it. Mm. So he likes the months, last probably? panel of Constantine kissing Satan. What? Hot take. I honestly think some artists should not be hired for comedy. I think they should be bands depending on like what art style they use. <laughs> um, that's, that's my hot take. I think some artists should just not be f hired. 
I think you made two different points in there, whereas I think obviously some people aren't. Oh, wait, wait, generally okay. Speaking, I just said I just said like a very hard sense uh, statement that I didn't mean, which was some this artists entire sub quadrant should never be hired. That they, I don't. Agree I don't. With. I think some artists should not be hired to do comics. Yeah, I. I mean, yeah, I think there's some people like Frank Miller who haven't done a good illustration since '87 or mm-hmm. whatever. Should not be doing illustrations anymore at all. No. Um, I yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I don't think we should just, like just blacklist people. Be like, no, you the can't, artist, you cannot hire them. But like, uh, why are we hiring some of these people? Whereas most people are we hiring them because it's cheap, or are we going to hire them because they're going to give us good panels? Yeah, exactly. Jacob, back to you. Well, since you were talking about hell, Ooh. Uh, I read the Hellstorm Omnibus. Written by Warren Ellis, with art by Leonardo Manco, Peter Gross, Derek Yanniger, with Martin Chaplin. Edited by Marie Javins. This omnibus collects Hellstorm, Prince of Lies, uh, issues 12 through 21, which came out in 1994, and Druid 1 through 4, which came out in 1995, and an unprinted uh, Satana run issues one through three. Ugh. All right, so this is definitely a spiritual slash occult horror comic. Spook. There's, yes, there's spook. Um, M scurred. So Spencer reviewed a Hellstorm book a while ago and said that it was just like Edge Lord. A little bit. <laughs> we're gonna say all the Satanic things, kind of like Doom did. Like we're just gonna have. Freaking satanic symbology in it just to scare the Christians or he's something. He's got that big cape and he's, he's carrying a pitchfork right. and he's got red eyes. This goes a little bit beyond that. Yeah, it kind of is just like a big old middle finger to the weird satanic panic shit. Right. This goes beyond that. This isn't just edgelord for edgelord's sake. There's some depth to it, but it's nothing like Hellboy, I can say that. Um... It's it's really really dark and gruesome. It it's so difficult to review. Um, the creators definitely made what they wanted to make, and it's not poor quality. It's just clearly not for me. I had a really hard time reading it. I really had to push through it because it was like, I'll get there. <sighs> it's. I believe in you. It takes the grot- grossest and grotesque ideas from something like Spawn, uh, and it, it cranks it all the way up to 11. So like I said when I was reviewing Spawn, there were some really gross demons and, and monsters and whatever, and I really liked it in Spawn. Um, it's got a foot grown out of his neck. Yeah. This is like so far beyond that. It's really, really gross. So the story starts... Starting with issue 12 was a sudden-slash-hostile takeover or change in creators. Uh, So, like, 11 ended on a cliffhanger, and then they were like, Nope, these people are going to take over now. So, That's uh, a bit cringe. uh, It was a hard stop in the story, and they had to explain that hard stop away later. Um, The Prince of Hell is killing demons and angels to keep both kingdoms, heaven and hell, from affecting earth life. Uh, Damon has basically the Pope of the Church of Satan move into his house, and that's he <laughs> says that's because he wants to keep him 
like close to keep an eye on him just in case he has to kill him later, basically. So it's just the Pope. Yes. Oof. Damon falls for some angel-killing chick, which Ooh. leads to his wife, who's a vegetable, basically, dying. Okay, so this book is pretty close in proximity to when the, the book that I was reading. And then the two new lovers spend a whole bunch of time smashing in hell, like in his freaking kingdom or whatever. Yikes. That's hot and steamy. So my biggest thing, like why this isn't for me, is that there's just absolutely nothing positive to this book, this story. Everyone lives a messy tobacco smoking and booze drinking and murder ridden life. Like, their apartments are just littered with alcohol bottles, and they're always smoking, and it's just... You don't like the debauchery? Trying to portray a certain lifestyle that isn't positive in any way. <laughs> um, until the last issue, when literally the creators were told, oh, by the way, your story's ending with the next issue. So they tried to, like, wrap everything up and tie it all together, and it, it only kind of landed. I didn't really touch Druid. I just wanted to be done with the book. But I must say that the art definitely improved. It was a lot clearer. Uh, it wasn't as 90s looking, I guess I want to say. Even though it was still made in 95. Like, it it looked more modern or whatever. Cleaner. Contemporary. Yes. In 1997, Warren Ellis and Ariel Olivetti were told to make a Satana series, which is Hellstrom or Hellstorm's sister, uh, and it was canceled while they were making issue number two and before issue number one was printed. In 2002, Marvel tried it again as a Max series and they made issue number three and then canceled it yet again. One is lettered, two and three aren't. It's just the artwork and framing and whatever. And all are uncolored, although there's um, in the back, it, the very last few pages of the book there's like a uh, color plan I forget what they call it it was like how the artist intended it to be colored but it's not like shaded or, or shadowed or whatever completely but they holy crap they went overboard sexualizing Hellstrom's sister just for sex because it's a Max series it was disgusting it makes little sense to the story it's it's not necessary. They just had sex for sex sake. I'm excited to be done with this freaking book. The best part of reading it was the banter between the writer, Warren Ellis, and the editor, Marie... Freaking, what's her face? Javens? Um, in the fan mail section at the end. They were, like, messaging each other in the what was supposed to be the fan mail section. So that was really good. One thing that I was hoping to have answered, and I don't, is it literally changes, it's a flip of a coin in the writing if he's called Hellstrom or Hellstorm, and I don't know why. That I am very uneducated on. There is a reason. If So at, I know at one point they were technically two different characters. Oh my gosh. But like they're the same guy. It was weird. Um... I believe essentially like they got like like he had like his personality separated or whatever the hell or something like but that. But it would like <laughs> it would literally change on the same page or there was one time where he corrected a dude for calling him Hellstorm instead of Hellstrom and it's like Yeah, I think it's what? just a an ongoing joke. I mean even the TV series um yep. kind of 
lampshaded it, where it's like, it's not Hellstorm, it's Hellstrom. But, like, at some point, it was spelled the other way. I think it might have been, like, an editor's error, like, way back. Because it then says it... Hellstorm right on the title. Yes, but the character is Damon Hellstrom. Right. So it's like a me- it's like a it's like a meme inside the world, but like it just doesn't seem to be edited it well just, to the point where yeah. you can kind of understand what's going on. Right. It's very confusing. Normally, this book is seventy five dollars. What it says on the back of the book, I paid forty five dollars. It's clearly not for me. I'm. I almost sold it to Jetpack today, but I wanted to see if you guys wanted to read it first. So um, I, I plan on selling it off soon. So if you're a fan of the character, go for it. Definitely buy it if you love this character. But if you're interested in trying the character or understanding the story or who he is or whatever, I would say this probably isn't the place to do it. Yeah, so the thing is, there aren't really any starting points for this character. There are like five or six collected editions, and that's everything that's ever been published, um, which is kind of annoying. Like, I have one of them, and that's another one. There's like two more. And it's like one of them is the original series that it came out in like 73 or whatever, and that's it. It's really weird. Um, 75 for that thing? Holy shit. Like, even if it's like amazing quality, that's small for that. And I paid 45. It might have been because it's Warren Ellis. It might just be the name. It really might just be the name. Colin, I have yes. a question for you. It's something that is nowhere near as a professional or be uh, normal of a question to ask as Jacob did. Okay. But this is something that you've brought up many times and I need answers on air for why. Why do you not think Harley Quinn is hot? I'm not... So to, to establish, I'm not some insanely weird, gross fanboy that's, like, thirsting all over. Like, there, there's a line. There's a line between appreciating a character that can be pretty attractive in a lot of contexts, and we know what those people are like. That's just gross, and, like, they fetishize it. It's but also, weird. the creators try to make her... Generally speaking, she's portrayed as fairly... Yeah, to an extent, yeah. So I'm wondering why, because you've mentioned that a few times. You're, like... She's, like, never attractive to you. Except, I think, in, like, White Knight, because she's, like, being a mommy. Aside from that. Yeah, White Knight was really good. Aside from that, whereas I think she, like, physically was portrayed as, like, probably the least sexy version, which is fine. Which is... So, here's the funny thing. That's what I want to know. He, why? Here, here is how it goes. Most of the time, when they ma- someone makes a character, and it's meant to be sexy, or you're, it's meant to hold the, the eyes of a male or just be attractive, I'm not attracted to it. But if it's a mummy, or if it's just a very nice lady just being nice, I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to her. <laughs> um, but, and how, so the only ones that I find attractive, the only versions of Harley Quinn that I've ever found attractive were Batman the Animated Series, where she came from. The, the new Animated Series. So, like the one with Tim Drake, you know. Yeah. And probably Curse of the White Knight and Curse of the White Knight. So you don't, not the one from the Harley Quinn show. No. Really? Yeah, not really. That's interesting. I like. See, I that think... actually makes some more sense now. It's just the fact you have to verbalize these things. I, 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 I don't like when, like, like Arkham Asylum. Uh, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City. I actually liked Arkham Knight because she looked more presentable and, like, her makeup didn't look like she was just face before go, going out into, like, the world. That's she def- fair. That, and that's probably because Joker's not alive to do that to her. Yeah, that's entirely fair. I'm not normally one. I think you guys have an idea where I usually float in around on these things. 
that's not you to an extent at least. I'm not usually like, oh my gosh, like the nurse outfit. Like it's I, that's not those things don't do it for me. Me neither. The Arkham Asylum does. I don't know why. Probably because I was 13. Now what about Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker when she's like, "Honey, get mommy's bazooka." <laughs> I really liked that. <laughs> uh, that that that's in the same world. It's in I, the same world. I really like her. Now that I can agree with. I'm just curious because I I definitely get that when it's like they're so overtly sexualized very frequently where it kind of is a turnoff. I could definitely agree with that even on a lot of things with but early. Also, 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 okay. What about Doctor Harleen Quinzel? Oh, all the way, always. <laughs> always. I mean, any yeah. any version is always. I love I love a smart woman. Um, Amen, brother. Preach it. <laughs> yeah. But smart. also, 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 I mean, also. He's trying to marry up, so he does need someone smart. Also, also, also. Um, I like to say controversial statements. Yes. No. Or write controversial literature for the sake of it catches people's ear because then they'll f- finally listen to me. So Colin likes being me. edgy. We know. Wait, what were you saying? Yeah, I just like saying controversial statements because people will actually listen if you say one thing that's just weird. Um, okay, fair. But just, also, I, it just always bugs me because like a lot of the times, the we're we're on the same wavelength, and then you're like, nah. I'm like, wait, what? Well, it's because I want your attention sometimes. Well, I know you do. Uh, but also, needy. I don't think you just weren't listening to me particularly. Like you weren't connecting the lines towards like what was my standards for Harley I mean, Quinn. Yes. But no, because you've never discussed that in depth. You're just like, nope. Well, I don't think I needed to because I I said which ones I liked and I said which ones I didn't like. I mean, and I think that would have been clear. I can pull that together, but like, I don't I don't want to assume that about your fifis. Well, you assume a a lot of things about me anyway, so why not start there too? So Spencer, what is your last talking point? So I read Shazam! <gasps> exclamation point. Uh, which is the 2011 to 2012-ish um, one from the New 52. So it's written by Jeff Johns and illustrated by Gary Frank. It was published in partial in like partial segments in the back end of the Justice League comic that was coming out at the time. So this wasn't like its own thing. It's just collected in a book. It is one... If you read it as the trade, it feels like one book that was just written that way. Um, the Shazam with an exclamation point, uh, movie, is basically this comic. And that is in no means a diss to anyone involved on either one of them. I forgot how similar they were, because this was my introduction to Shazam. I know the slightly more dark, edgy version. It it, it fits. But, like, back when New 52 came out was when I was getting into comics. Um, so I read this way back, and I hadn't touched it since then. And I read it, and it's just, yeah, like, Dr. Savannah's looking for knowledge and magic. And then... Uh, Black Adam comes in, is like, I'm going to fix this planet, and I'm gonna punch it, punch. And then you got the sins, and then the, the, the kids in the foster family get the powers, and then they're the, like, it's, like, almost beat for beat, um, just with some modifications here and there. Different sense of humor, some similar jokes, but, like, just, it's written a bit differently. Um, so, uh, the art, I've screamed about Gary Frank's art before. I don't need to go on about that. It's one of the best. It's insanely detailed. It's clean. It's so good to look at. Very... I don't want to say it's just, like, masculine art, but, like, it definitely emphasizes uh, musculature, um, even in the very feminine characters, to an extent, um, which I dig for this style. It works really well. 
uh, the designs are slightly updated modern versions, but they're not like new 52 Superman. Like we got to make it futuristic and modern. Like it's not like that. Um, it's just, it's nice. It's updated. It's a very simple story, obviously. Um, nice, straightforward, emotional arcs. People grow. They, they get to know each other. It's nice. It's just nice. Nice. Um, 69, 420. Yes. I felt like the sins were not needed at all in this story, though. I understood what purpose they served and, like, what they did, but I feel like you could have used the characters that were already present for that because the sins were not very developed at all. It's nitpicking. Um, the tonal cohesion was really nice. It, something I think I have mentioned briefly when discussing Shazam, and I will definitely go in-depth on when we do review it, I enjoy the family movie feel, whereas it is... Not a kid's movie, it's a family movie. It's got some dark, spooky things. It's got a lot of fun. And I feel like this book maybe inspired some of that tone. Whereas, like, ah, there we got it. We got a kid who's a partial cripple. They're all foster kids. Half their parents are dead or in jail. Um, there's some really tragic backstories. We got bullies. We have adults pushing around kids. Like, it's got some rough stuff in it, but it still has enough fun with itself. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. It feels... Kind of like a, a young teenage perspective on the life. Like, not, I'm edgy and I'm so alone. I'm 15. I'm listening to, you know, My Chemical Romance or whatever. <clears throat> We're not talking about, like, Umbrella Academy. Like, this is definitely designed for 16-year-olds, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, it's like a 14-year-old. It's like, I got some edge, but, like, I still like fun. Um, I bought it for $15. 100% worth the price. Will recommend. Buy it. Go read it. It's good stuff. Any final thoughts, fellow gentlemen? Uh, I did mean to mention the artwork in Hellstrom. It kind of feels like a generic crazy man's drawings in any kind of movie, like the charcoal yep. in a in a in a journal or whatever. And it's like crazy scratches, and it, that added to the horror and twisted freaking possession type spiritual horror feeling i guess so that's a good thing i guess excuse but me jacob the book is called hellstorm get it right whatever editors <laughs> error just so you know how bad it was i was trying to look through it but without getting my hands tainted i had like Colin pinched touch the it. book it was hard to touch it he wouldn't touch it yeah, it was a, it was a little over dramatic, but I could feel your pain. Speaking this. of pain, we have a Patreon uh, that helps relieve the pain of uh, recording late night in Colin's closet, because uh, there is only one light on in this household, and that is the light in the closet, just so that Spencer can make sure that uh, Colin and I aren't doing the nasty while we're recording next to a microphone, because our listeners don't want to hear that. So, if there are any listeners out there that would like to live with the knowledge that we have two light bulbs on at Dime Comic Bros Podcast Headquarters. Please find your way over to patreon.com forward slash Dime Comic Bros and uh, maybe throw in a dollar or two and uh, support the crew. Uh, there are, there's already a crew supporting us, uh, mainly business casual. Jeff Lawrence and Wesley Eaton. So yeah, we have three simps. Thank you very much for your support. You are keeping the light bulb on. Hopefully we don't have to replace it soon or we'll be in trouble. 
Yeah, it would be cool not to go back into the red again. I might have to sell my third testicle. A red light? <laughs> I will also sell my third testicle. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that would be greatly appreciated if anyone wants to head over there. And then, you know, the cringy, please interact with the content stuff. Give it a like, a thumbs up, a subscribe. Everybody knows what to do. But they don't do it until they're reminded. The analytics do show that, which is ah! it's obnoxious, I know. So, Everybody says it. Yeah, I know. But it gets you to do it. Um, so if that, that'd be cool. Thanks, guys. Um, and then... If you want to send us an email because of memes or you have a suggestion. Boomer! Any, yeah, if you have... Uh, Hate comments, bring com- it to me. Yes, if you have questions, concerns, comments, uh, posting, you want to blackmail us, uh, threaten our lives and our families, anything like that, please feel free to email us at dimecomicbros at gmail.com. Also, if you are listening on YouTube, please leave a comment down below saying... Uh, what you know about these two lesser-known characters, uh, Dr. Spectrum and Hellstrom, Hellstorm, uh, because clearly the professionals here at the show don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't know about, I don't know about you, but I am definitely a trained professional at reading picture books. Really? Because you couldn't tell me about the difference between Hellstrom and Hellstorm. Uh, I'm sorry... I only have an area in one area of expertise. That Halo. being, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was flicking back and forth between Halo, Star Wars, uh, Assassin's Creed, or <laughs> Hellboy. <laughs> Assassin's Creed just is. Could we not? Could Vikings we... running from no. Ragnarok? It's not always no, Vikings. No, no, no. That's where that's where the the origin is. All right. So next week we are talking about. Do you want to die? Our topic next episode will be Spider-Man Noir, Eyes Without a Face, which is the second miniseries, which shortly followed the original Spider-Man Noir, which all three of us will have read, because previously when we talked about the first book, one of us didn't. So we're going to all do that so we can all participate in the conversation about the spooky trench. You look like a little crab man when you like move your head and your shoulders like this. And that is all. Good night, folks. Can you can you take the helmet off, please? You're, it's gonna continue to make you noise. It's not making noise. Colin, I'm the one with the f-ing headphones listening <laughs> to the recording. Me too. I will throw Jacob at you. My goal is to see how, how much I can piss you off. Maybe don't do that today. <laughs> why not? So why did you I work do. so much this week? Okay, so um, why do you care about people? <laughs> why am I doing my job? I'm legally required. Yeah, to why do, do you work? A job. Why yeah. do you like do the best you can when you can just do like minimum? Why do capacity? you try to make money and make a living? Because uh, there's this thing called being able to eat, um, and then my moral <coughs> obligation to the other people I'm ki- yes. kind of help feed. But he was getting his vaccine, so he was on his ass. So he wasn't able to do that. Like all the more reason to not get the vaccine. Okay, I had mine this morning, but all right, buddy. Um, that's another reason I'm tired um oh and cranky
Mm. <laughs> I've been I've been swinging my arm around trying to you know get it moving so it doesn't. He's been swinging. <laughs> I, I have been swinging. Uh, anyway, are you a swinger? <laughs> no, I'm not a slut like you. We're talking about dancing, okay? Me too. I am a swinger in that sense, both <laughs> east and west, just not that well. I know a little bit of both. And then I go back home. I, I picked up my vaccine on the way home, and then I freaking. Um, <laughs> he was sleeping in the chair. They're like, this is going to pinch a little. Yeah, pretty like, much. Ow, son of a... Yeah, pretty much. It was a bit rough. No. We got to do news first. Yeah, we got to find a way to transition into that. Transition. What, what's, what's the first topic? <laughs> a death. I hate it when they're not juicy enough and like nothing actually comes mm. out. Like you just move stuff around. Blowing it dry. <sighs> yes. It chafes. Now you got to give it a minute to heal. You hurt its feelings. I'm gonna hurt something else. Oh, please hurt me. Anal. Um, <laughs> please clip all of that out. Don't knock it till you try it. Anal beads. Okay. Keep that in. <laughs> That's a commercial. Yeah. That's a fake commercial for what this episode. Yes! We I want fake commercials! Now to shout out our sponsor, Adam and Eve. <laughs> I do like forget me not sometimes. They're also the known as mouse ears. Oh, dandelion. There we go, oh. bachelor's button. Dandelion! You have to keep that in. My favorite flower is a dandelion. Uh, I used to give my mom problem. dandelions all the time as a kid. Yeah, who didn't? Flowers. Bachelor, it, it, it's bachelor's wow. button. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, they're really small. Huh. Um, they look freaking huge. Did you shit your pants? No. What? I opened my mouth. Okay. Continue with your controversial. Oh, I just like staying. I I just went. You know, you just started speaking droid. I actually don't smell too bad right now. I have to delay talking about Miracle Man until next week. Sorry, Mr. Miracle. I keep saying them. Old Spice. I keep saying Miracle Man when I mean to say Mr. Miracle. Also, follow us on social media because I post memes and stuff. And also my artwork, which isn't really artwork. It's just adult coloring because I'm freaking bored editing the show. <laughs>